Well, uh, this afternoon I sat down with my journal one last time because I, that's how I take one last look at what I've written and what I might write and try to figure out what of all of the things I've written for the last, you know, 20 hours of journaling uh, dare I spend time talking to you about because otherwise the sermon could go on for three hours and I just think that you're not prepared for that uh, and I'm not prepared for that either and uh, I'd lose you somewhere in the middle. Uh, I'd lose my own attention somewhere in the middle, so it, it would be bad. Um, so as I sat down this afternoon, one of the things I, I was really shocked to discover is how far removed I felt from this cross thing. How deeply, you know, it was 2,000 years ago. Um, isn't there some new news that I can see? Uh, some kind of uh, new reality that's going to jump out to me from the page? I mean, how far away uh, is that from now? Uh, it happened roughly 2,000 years ago. Uh, and two millennia, you know, is a long time. Uh, it's not long in the length of uh, age of the universe. I mean, 14 and a half billion years. That's a long, long time. 2,000 years is just like a drop in the bucket there, nanosecond, but... To me, 2,000 years is a long time. And then I realized as I sat with my journal why it felt so distant or why to protect myself I kept it at a distance and that's because death is something that makes me uncomfortable. It's one of the things they make you do before you can be ordained a clergy person is to do clinical pastoral education. And what they do is you go to a hospital, usually it's a hospital, and you spend time with people in all, they, they put me on the oncology ward. They put me on the, uh, the cancer ward. Um, I, I don't know whether they thought I needed it more than anybody else for that uh, nine months or uh, whether I drew the short straw. I don't know. But spending time with people who are in the process of dying, who have to face the reality of their own death, really makes you ask a lot of questions about what you think life is all about what really matters and what doesn't. And what glib saying can you make to someone who is on their deathbed and every breath they draw is pain? You know, I think, every, I think of every breath as grace, as a gift. But if every breath I drew was just painful to me and caused racking pain in my body, I'm not sure I'd consider it a, 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 you know, a gift anymore. It would be something other than a gift. And for at least the first unit, I was on the oncology unit. And, and then I was on orthopedics, you know, people recovering from knee replacements and things like that. But to begin with, I had to sit with people who either had come to terms with their dying, and those people were amazingly at peace, or people who had not come to terms with their dying and were amazingly angry angry at God, angry at the world around them, angry at the doctors, angry at technology, angry at themselves because of the way they had lived, because sometimes they blamed themselves for their cancer, and maybe there were factors in their lives that led to it, but in the end, you know, it didn't do them any good, but you don't say that. You, you, that's not a, so what, you don't get to sit at the deadbed side and say, get over that, you know, come on, it's bigger than that. Everybody dies. It's really easy to say until you think I'm one of everybody. And it brings me close 
to the reality that this life is a gift and every breath I take is a gift. And This could be my last Good Friday. Who knows? I might not make it to Easter. I might get, not get to celebrate the resurrection at least on, in the way everybody else is going to celebrate. Uh, I don't know. Every moment is a moment to be lived because that is the moment we have. So as Jesus hung on the cross, I, I considered reading, there have been years when I read the entire, the shortest version of the crucifixion story is in Mark. And it's still wicked long. But essentially, to summarize part of the story, and then we'll get to the piece where the cross is, Jesus is captured in the dark, um, tried before religious authorities, uh, who can't even get two witnesses to testify to the same thing about what's wrong. So they ask him some questions, and it requires, in Jewish law, it requires two witnesses to testify to the same thing. They can't get two witnesses. They have a whole pile of them, apparently, but no two of them will say the same thing. So they're having a terrible time condemning him, and then, uh, you know, Jesus responds when he says, are you the, you know, the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus says, I am. Well, there you go, blasphemy. The, uh, let's, uh, there's a good reason. We're going to put you to death. So they take him to Pilate because they can't do it. And the Romans put him to death. Um, uh, he gets tried, mocked, beaten, a crown of thorns placed on his head, and dragged out. And uh, it's a public execution. I mean, that's really what it is. If we put electric chairs or other kinds of things in the public where everybody could see them, uh, we used to, in the Old West, celebrate those kinds of things. Uh, you know, everybody gathered in town to see them happen. You know, bad guys going down. Um, but uh, that's what happened. It was meant to make a statement. The Romans were making a statement. No more, no more messiahs. Do you understand? No more. And so he's crucified, and Jesus is taken out uh, and hung, hung on the cross. And from uh, picking up with verse 33 of chapter 15 of Mark, from noon until 3 in the afternoon, the whole earth was dark. I kind of like the way it was today. You know, the clouded over. It didn't, it didn't work out to be noon to 3. Noon to two, it was sunny. It was like, this is just wrong. Come on, where are the dark clouds coming? And now apparently there's a tornado warning. So uh, great, I didn't ask for that much. So I'll try not to you know, stir God up anymore. But from noon till three in the afternoon, the whole world was dark. At three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which in Aramaic means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You want to hear a word of doubt that maybe this wasn't worth it. <laughs> Was this really worth it for me to hang on this tree? That's what I hear Jesus saying. Was my life meaningless? So meaningless that now I'm dying? Is there something more to this? And then he dies. After hearing him, some standing there, look, he's calling for Elijah. They make more fun of him. They filled a sponge with sour wine, offered it to Jesus. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus let out a loud cry and died. 
and the curtain of sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, the, representation, the representative of Rome, who stood facing Jesus, saw how he died, he said, this man was certainly God's son. You know, as we come to this, it's, it's very easy, and you know, this is my 27th year at St. James, so I guess 27 times I've come in here and tried to tell and retell and retell the story, because it's a powerful story all in itself. But I think the truth is that one of the challenges of this story is that we gloss over it because we don't want to deal with our own, the reality of our finiteness. The questions of whether our lives have been meaningless. Are the things that we do, do they matter? Do they make a big difference in the scheme of things? I mean, if the universe is infinite and it's expanding and it's getting bigger faster, it's already infinite. I mean, how much bigger can it get? I guess infinite is infinite is infinite is infinite, but it just keeps getting bigger. What difference can I make in my 70 years or 56 years as I have? What difference does it make that I'm alive? Except in this moment, I can be love. I can be now. You know, the Japanese poet Basho has this wonderful short haiku. He's famous for writing these beautiful haikus. Well, he's long dead. He was famous for writing the haikus. His, his haikus are still pretty famous. But um, perhaps his favorite for me is um, in the cry of cicadas, no one could tell they're about to die. Cicadas have this short lifespan. Essentially, every 17 years they emerge. They live for a short period of time, reproduce, and die. And yet, while they're alive, listen to the trees as they cry out. To me, they're crying out praise to God. They're crying out the beauty of this creation God has made. Now, if I get so focused on what's next and how finite I am, I lose the moment I'm in. I let fear and anxiety keep me from being all I could be in this moment. Jesus had to know from the time he began his ministry what was on the horizon. Death. Death. He was human. We like to point out how great it was to be son of God, but he was fully human. We have always claimed that as the church. He wasn't just masquerading as a human being. He felt pain. He felt hunger. He got tired. Probably got irritated with his disciples, never getting what the heck he was talking about. I mean, uh, wouldn't that drive you a little crazy? You spend all this time with them and they still don't get it? They still don't get it. And yet, every moment, when I read the stories of Jesus in his life, every moment he was there. If you stopped me on the street, you stopped him on the street, not me, but him, stop him on the street, he's there with you. He's talking to you. He's not thinking about what's down the street. Sometimes that drove some people crazy. He was on the way to save a, a young girl. He gets stopped on the way because some woman who's been struggling for a huge long period of her life, I think 28 years, 
touches his robe and is healed, and he stops to talk to her. And the guy whose daughter ultimately dies is like, come on, come on. But Jesus is in the moment. You and I either live with great regrets for the things that are in the past that no longer exist. What you did wrong yesterday doesn't exist. There's nothing you can do to fix it. It's in your imagination. It is a waste of your space and time to think about how you can fix things that aren't fixable. You can't go back and undo the words you said yesterday. You can't go back and undo driving through the red light when the police officer happened to be there to catch you. You can't undo it. So spending all of your time regretting it is a waste of your life. It takes you out of this moment. It takes you out of the possibility of living for Christ right now. And that's what Jesus never did. He never left the now. He modeled for us what it looks like to be God. Because God can be everywhere. But in Jesus, he was now. And now. Sure, death was on the horizon. But he never let it stop him from doing the thing about which he was passionate, the kingdom of God, proclaiming the good news, living the love that God had given him and every one of you, and you online too, and me. He lived in this moment. Sure, he could die in the next. He happened to die on a cross. But as a human being, he might not wake up one day. Wouldn't be quite as cool of a story for us to tell as the church. But the truth was, being human means death is real. From the moment you are born, you are closer to death than you were a moment ago. That's just real. So are you going to focus on that, or are you going to live now? Are you going to say, right now, I'm going to sing the song God's given me to sing. I'm going to live the moment God's given me to live. I'm going to proclaim the good news in whatever way I'm called to. That doesn't mean standing on your desk at school or at work or at play and saying, Jesus is Lord. Maybe it does. But more likely, it means loving your cube mate that's sitting next to you. That drives you crazy. And realizing the reason why they drive you crazy is because they have some of the same traits you have. And those are the things about them that drive you crazy. Because they're the same things that drive you crazy about you. And that's a learning moment. And you can be in that moment and then just appreciate the person and love the person the way they are, like God does. Or you can just be irritated. But you see, Good Friday invites us to remember that this moment we have to live. We're in this room. You're still breathing. I'm still breathing. Every breath is grace. We can live. Now there's one other piece to this story, and that is oftentimes to fully live, it means that parts of us must die. It means that some of the things we love the most about ourselves. You know, I once thought I was a super handsome, charming dude. I once was, I think. 
and then I got old. And it started to come a little, I'm a little squidgy around the edges. I'm perfectly fine with it, I, you know. I don't need you to encourage me or say any other kind words. My wife might try later on, although she's very honest, so I doubt it. <laughs> the truth is, that went away. Now, I can regret it and be sad about it, or I can just be who I am right now. I invested way too much energy in thinking how good I look and how I dressed, and now I don't pay attention to those things, much to the chagrin of my, my daughter and wife who periodically say, you, you can't wear that out in public. Why? It covers me. It's clothes. No, I'm not going out with you if you wear a dress like that. Uh, that's mainly my daughter. Linda will go out with me. She'll just stay far away from me so uh, no one sees that she's with me. Um, but the things that are important to us sometimes just have to die. And sometimes they're bigger than how we look. They're who we imagined we would be. How big a huge difference we would make in the world. How we'd be famous. How people would know who we were. All you need to know is God knows who you are. The infinite God, since who's been around for more than 14 billion years, imagined you. 14 billion years ago in God's mind and so that God could love you because God loves through material, through touch, through matter. God made you matter. This you, there is no other so that God could love you in a material way, a physical way because that's where love becomes real. Yes, these bodies are going to die. Yes, there are things in our lives that need to die, we need to let go of. Because, as my favorite preaching teacher used to say, there is no Easter, no resurrection without Good Friday and death. So if there are things in your life you need to let go, this is an opportunity to let those things go, to decide, God, I'm putting this in your hand. I've got to let this go. This is ruling my life. I don't need this to rule my life. My concern about success, my concern about survival, my concern about approval from other people or affection or esteem or personal pleasure or control or power, things that we all desire, I've got to let them go. I'll let them go and trust you because life is about the abundance of your love for me and not the scarcity of those other things. So, I invite you tonight to take seriously death. Not to run in fear from it. To recognize that sometimes things in our lives, not just our physicalness, but things in our lives have to die so that something new can come. So that we can be reshaped and remade. Death is real, and new life cannot come without death. So, if only for one night in the year, take seriously death. Take seriously when it happens around you. And 
be present in it, trusting that God will always sustain you. One of the things we do in worship every time we gather in this space is pray. You know, um, I can't help but when I watch the news or see somebody die. Um, I work in the pantry on Friday mornings and one of my volunteers in, in the food pantry in Lorton is a, a crime scene investigator in D.C. And she said, did you see? We're on track for a record number of homicides this year, 50 so far. And I said, that's uplifting. Thanks. Um, death happens all around us. And God feels that and suffers with us in the midst of those. And the more we give ourselves over to the love of God and becoming one with God in our lives, the more we realize that the death of a man because he told someone they couldn't cross the street at his construction site the death of a man for no reason essentially at all, whose job it was to tell people you can't cross the street here, it's dangerous, um, died. In that I see suffering. And in that I see God's presence in that suffering. And I feel a loss to myself as another human being dies in this world. And it happens over and over again. And if I'm open enough, I feel the pain and the love that God pours out in those moments. 